Hey Marlins fans, it's Jeremy Taché here. And before we get to our normal content within this episode of Swings and Mishes previewing opening day, I wanted to talk to you about our brand new sponsor, Symbol. S-I-M-B-U-L-L. Now, Symbol is essentially the stock market for sports. It allows you to trade sports teams like their stocks and earn real cash payouts when your teams win. Symbol has taken their love for sports and the stock market and blended it in a really cool way to offer you a new way to invest in and profit off your favorite teams without the high fees and high losses of normal sports gambling. What you could do is you can use your sports knowledge to buy low on a team like the Marlins and ultimately sell high and earn cash payouts when your teams win. I'm actually one of the 2000 plus early adopters who've started to invest in their favorite teams. I quite literally yesterday before we recorded this logged in to symbol and purchased some stock in the Marlins. And the way I did that was by going to www.simbull.app. That's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.app, symbol.app. Or you can visit the link that is in our description, symbol.app slash swings, to create your free account. And when you go to make your first deposit, be sure to use the promo code SWINGS for a $10 deposit bonus. And go ahead and buy a share of Sim Marlins, just like I did, or any other team you're bullish on for that matter. Visit symbol.app and use the promo code SWINGS for a $10 deposit bonus to help start building your portfolio. Join me and come be a part of this really interesting stock market for your favorite sports teams. Start investing in your favorite teams today so that when they win, you win. Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to the first regular season edition of Swings and Mishes. I'm your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined as always by the name behind the podcast, Craig Mish. Craig, how you doing on this Friday? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, look, I, I think at the beginning of the season on Symbol, if I invested in the Marlins a little bit, I would have been upset at the start of the year for sure. But a beautiful day outside here in South Florida and, you know, Masters is going on. So watching some golf and uh, yeah, I mean, I am doing very well, Jeremy, yeah. not, not, not so much here for what we're going to talk about today, but I personally am doing well. So thanks for asking. Yeah, of course you are doing well. Um, thus far, the Marlins are not necessarily, it's a one in six start for the Marlins. Uh, their worst start ever from what we just found was one in 11 in 1998. So they're not quite there as of yet. Um, but obviously not a great start for Miami. And Craig, I just kind of want your initial thoughts on this one and six start as they were swept by the Cardinals, lost two of three to the Rays, and obviously lost game one to the Mets yesterday. Yeah, 1998 was the year that they came off winning the World Series in 97. I was going to the University of Florida at the time. And I, I actually came back to South Florida to go to opening day in 98 because the remaining players that won the 1997 World Series championship were going to be given their rings. Mm. So uh, Cliff Floyd, and who I knew you know, very well at the time, as I still do, uh, Gary Sheffield, Charles Johnson, they were there for a period of time in 1998. And the Marlins won that day. They won on opening day. And I remember going back, maybe I was graduated, actually, now that I think about it from the university. I think I was working in Sarasota, if I'm not mistaken. But I remember driving back, whatever that drive was, I remember thinking, wow, like this is not going to be as bad as everybody predicted after they dismantled the team in 1997. And they won that first game. And then they lost 
11 games in a row after that. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and I look, I, I don't have that same feeling now. And, and clearly that was a disaster of a team the whole entire season. That was the worst Marlins team ever. Right. And so we're, we're a long way from that. But at the same time, I, I think that I, I, I think I called it a disaster week. And, and it is. I mean, look, there, there's no possible way that this could have been any worse in terms of record other than them losing every single game. Uh, I know personally that there's a lot of disappointment within the organization. I'm very clear on that at this point. I think everybody's on the same page and they feel like this can turn around very quickly. But and, and we'll get into yesterday's game as well. But the one thing that I wanted to make clear right here at the top two things, actually, the first is I did not want to do this today. The last yeah. thing that I want to do is come on and do a podcast where the team is just is losing every game. It's no fun for you guys who are listening. It's no fun for me. It's no fun for Jeremy. And, and nobody wants that. But I, I continue to, to always call it how it is and, and always keep it real. The, the difference between the Marlins going one and six and the Pirates going one and six and the Tigers going one and six and the Orioles going one and six, they're very big differences because the Marlins don't have the built-in fan base that those clubs do. The season ticket capacity, I know right now is different. But in general, the season t- ticket capacity and the interest level that those mm-hmm. teams have. And the Marlins are building and trying to build toward changing that. And that's why a start in April for the Marlins that is poor is going to derail that opportunity. There is no question about it. We have a lot of different topics on our mind in life and in sports. In particular, the NFL draft is coming our way in about a month from now. And we know that people are going to be super engaged to that. The Miami heat is going to have a playoff run for the first time. And since I can ever remember the Panthers are actually good. And I don't think that that will change how people view the Marlins or not, but they do have competition. And the last thing that they want to do is get out of April being a team that is 10 games under 500. So make no mistake about it. It is early. There's a lot of time to catch up. But this market is unique in that sense that they need to continue to build. And the beginning of the season is very important to them, more important than almost any other team in Major League Baseball, because they've struggled to get people to be engaged over the course of the whole season. So just want to make that clear. For me, at least, that's how I view it. Miami is in a very different position than Baltimore, Detroit, Pittsburgh, and some of these other teams who have been at the bottom because they have that fan base of kids and families that go to games for 30 years and 40 years and 50 years. They just, they're, they're watching the Jersey. They don't care about the player. They're going to the game. It's that hasn't happened yet here. And, and that's the disappointment. I think at least for me at the start, which obviously could change very quickly, but as we stand with the one and six record, Jeremy, that's where we're at. No, and to your point, if the Marlins go win, you know, four out of six or five out of seven, that can completely change. But on the same note, you know, being on being on Twitter in the way that I am in an annoying way, um, I, I've seen so many folks from all sorts of fan bases here in South Florida, right? Heat Twitter that was paying attention to the Marlins on opening weekend or in this first week that clearly a lot of fans who are going, oh, man, this was a playoff team last year and they haven't gotten off to that start. Um, and it makes people no different than, you know, with the heat where there were people going, ah, bubble flukes, and they've turned it around. Um, I think there are some folks that are upset that in a 60 game season, look what the Marlins did. And now at the start of this season, it's not capitalizing off that electricity, but 
you know, it, it's a one and six start and hopefully they can turn it around. But yesterday, their loss to the Mets was, as you are starting what you're calling a disaster week, there could not be, if we do want to find the funny in it, a, a more comedic ending to, to a, a bad loss to the New York Mets than Michael Conforto sticking out his elbow, being hit by a pitch on what could have and was initially called strike three to be out number two with the bases loaded as Anthony Bass was blowing a save in the bottom of the ninth inning against the Mets. An absolute disaster of, of, of an ending for the Marlins on a couple of different levels. Craig, what were your thoughts on, on yesterday's game and, and yesterday's ninth inning in particular? Yeah, I, I, you know, for, for people who, who know me and follow me, they, they can see at this point that I've taken the contrarian approach to, to what happened in the game. Um, first of all, I'll be very clear. Uh, Ron Culpa, the umpire, definitely blew the call without a doubt. It was a horrible call. It was a bad call. And, uh, and that caused the game to end at that moment. And so uh, that look, it's, it's as, as a fan of the Marlins, and let me underline fan, circle it, sure. you know, write it down, take a picture. As a fan, you certainly have every right to be upset that that's the way that the game ended in that spot. It should not have ended on that play. And I understand that, and I get that. And I think that those comments are, are fair. But if you're unable to take your fan hat off and unable to understand that that play was not the reason the Marlins lost the game, then simply put, you're just too much of a fan and not to understand the way that the game failed the Marlins in New York. That's not the reason why. Mm -hmm. The reason why the Marlins lost that game was because for the second time in three appearances, they brought a pitcher into the game in a two to one lead who immediately gave up a home run immediately yep. gave up a home run to Jeff McNeil. And so that started it. And then from that point forward, the same pitcher uh, faced Brandon Nimmo who the Marlins shifted over and Nimmo looked and said, okay, I'll just hit it the other way. And he got a hit. And then there was another you know, sort of ball that didn't reach the outfield. And, and look, I, I understand that there are just some simple people out there who are going to make every excuse in the book. The reality is, is that Anthony Bass couldn't get any outs. Almost none. He could, he could not get, he couldn't get an out two times ago when he was in almost. And then he couldn't get an out uh, on, on Wednesday. I mean, he just couldn't get anybody. I mean, McNeil hit a home run, gave up a couple of hits, uh, ended up intentional walking. And then the bases were loaded at that point. Now, if you turn the game on at that point, Jeremy, or you only watch the highlight, of course, you're going to say, oh my gosh, the Marlins got hosed and they didn't deserve it. And this was a terrible call. And, and look, I can understand that because that's the way that some people watch baseball. They just go to YouTube or they watch John Boy on video and, and watch hmm. it play out and, and say, hey, that's, you know, that, and, and they do. I love watching those videos, by the way. Yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, it's really good. But, but that's not true. That's not true. Like, right, right. Like, you, you know, it's, it's amazing to me that you could even think that the Marlins had a great chance or even good chance to win that game after that point. And remember, the count was three and two on Conforto after this Correct. dude just gave up a home run and loaded the bases. Like, no offense. He was not going to win the game. Pete Alonzo <laughs> was going to get a hit or hit a grand slam and the game was going to end. I could make the case that Anthony Bass and the Marlins got bailed out, got bailed out on Wednesday. By not having to face Peter Alonzo. We would be talking about a whole different, this would be a disaster to level 10. We'd right. be talking about how the Marlins can't win a game. Hmm. And, and this guy came in and lost it completely. 
There was only, I mean, there was only one out when he faced Conforto. I mean, Alonzo was coming up next. Then they're going to play in extra innings. Hypothetically, they just used up their eighth and ninth inning guy going to extra innings and the Mets would be at home. Right. Was there a chance the Marlins could win at that point? Of course, there's a chance. Not a great chance, but there was a chance that they could have gone on to win the game. But they got bailed out there. We would be, I mean, it would be, I would be worse now than I would right. have been. And all of you as fans would have been worse. Mm. And and it is stunning to me, stunning to me that Anthony Bass could go on social media and post that the umpire blew the call. It is I was stunning. really surprised by that. I was stunning really surprised to me. by that. And, and and I was the one when they signed him to say, I thought that this, and, and he may still be great, by the way. I'm not giving Absol- up on him at all. He I mean, I, I know a lot of people knows? are. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, I, I, I got to be transparent with this. I mean, I, I thought that they, they made a good signing there. And, you know, the good thing is, is that I don't get a paycheck there because someone, if he blows <laughs> another one, is going to have to account for this. Sure. Um, but but I, I still think he's got a chance to turn around. No one's going to believe that. I understand it's fine. But just from an optics standpoint, the most accountable person maybe that I've ever seen or covered in Major League Baseball is Derek Jeter. I cannot imagine that in a public conversation that Marlins CEO Derek Jeter is going to blame the umpires for losing that game. I, I, I can't envision a scenario where I ask him that question and he blames the umps. Right. I think he's going to say, hey, we didn't execute when we needed to. We never should have gotten to that point. And if we're going to sit here and blame the umpires for wins and losses, we're going to lose a lot of games. Yep. Um, so as fans, I think that you should know that. I, I Now, maybe I could be wrong. Maybe in the next call that we do or with Kim Ng or with Derek or someone else, they say these umpires, they blew it. And that's the reason. Maybe that's what they do. And I'll be shocked. And I'll come right back here and be shocked. But accountability has always been the word that has been used. And, and unfortunately, in that game on Wednesday, the accountability fell on the pitcher that they brought in who couldn't get any outs, who gave up another home run. And that, Jeremy, is what lost uh, the Marlins game uh, yesterday. Um, that's where I'm at with, with that game yesterday. I think uh, the umpires blew it. And, and it definitely is, is, is a sad scenario. But to say that they cost the Marlins a win, you're out of your mind. You are out of your, you're, you're a fan. You're a great fan. Congratulations mm-hmm. to you. Go put your hat back on in New Jersey and I'll see you next Friday night at the game against the Giants. Right. But that is not the objective way to look at the game on Wednesday and stop texting me with that stuff. If you're listening <laughs> out there that I, I watch the same game as you, let me tell you for every text and direct message that I got on Wednesday night about how the umps blew it. I got it from the from people around the league, players, coaches, everyone else, including the Marlins. Wow, like what in the world is going on here? Um, right. Yeah. So I, I'm just telling you, there a lot needs to get fixed in a very short period of time. Yeah, and for those of you who did miss what what we were referencing in terms of Anthony Bass blaming the umpires after the game, the Marlins, you know, jokingly on their social media page posted a screenshot of Conforto leaning into the pitch and just said, "Um, okay," with the final score graphic. Bass quote tweeted that tweet with sort of a palm hand to face emoji sort of insinuating obviously that the umpires sort of cost him the game when you know like you mentioned Craig there there was a lot in that ninth inning that that led up to that moment and you know I was comparing earlier in the game Pete Alonso to Mark McGuire it's not exactly like you want to face that guy next with the bases loaded and who knows just like you said 
it could have been an even worse ending for the Marlins had it gone that way. So almost a, a, in the social media world, lucky that we have this crazy Conforto leaning into the pitch and the Mets broadcasters losing their mind over it, which if you haven't heard the SNY call of, of that, uh, of that loss, it was, it was hilarious to hear uh, Ron Darling frustrated with Michael Conforto, but it is a three to two loss for the Marlins. And it is a frustrating one as they move to one and six. Let's, let's take a second to talk about the offense with the Marlins that obviously over these games has struggled in a, in a very real way. They scored 12 runs in their one win over the Rays. Now, after scoring two runs yesterday, they've scored a combined nine runs in the other six games and their six losses and up and down the lineup, there have been players to struggle. There have been players that have looked okay in certain games. What, what do you think is, is going on with the Marlins offense that is causing them to, to have this lack of production? Yeah, I, I think that they've probably performed below what you would expect. So I do think that better days are coming with the offense that I do right. think, uh, you know, I, I don't think that the park is, is hurting the Marlins if the other teams are hitting. So I I'm kind of past that at this point. Also worth noting that Jeff McNeil on the Mets did hit a home run for the other team yesterday in New York. Okay. So mm -hmm. like other teams are homering and the Marlins are not. So let's you know look at this as, as a whole. But I, I do think that that I, I am not going to I would not panic on the offensive side. I do think that their performers just have not gotten off to good starts. Yep. I think it's pretty much as simple as that. Uh, the idea that the offense will ever carry them is is a notion that I don't think would be accurate. Uh, the, I, I understand that that uh, Dickerson, Corey Dickerson, as of late, has has played a little bit better and seems to be mm -hmm. getting on base a little bit more. Marte, Starling Marte is a very good hitter and there's no, you know, nothing else to say, no matter where you put him in the lineup, he'll be, be very good. Cooper was good initially, walked a bunch, has not gotten hits lately. Uh, Aguilar has gotten some hits. The lineup is okay. Yeah. But it's never going to be great. It's never going to be as good as any team in the division. Like it's, it's, it's just sure, not sure. going to be, uh, you know, the one player who has struggled maybe more than others offensively at the, from the start is Adam Duvall. And I could tell you that maybe I'll be wrong at the end of the year, but I am certain that he we're going to wake up after a five day period and he's going to hit five home runs. I mean, right. th this is the only guy, this is the one guy that I know that when he gets hot, he's going to carry the team. I don't know when it's going to be, and maybe they're not playing him every day and that, that changes that, but I'm certain that this guy has tremendous power. I watched it with Cincinnati and, and he, and, and with Atlanta, he's going to get on a tear. At the end of the season, you look at his numbers on the back of the baseball card, you know what they're going to be. And, and unfortunately, all of those numbers may come in a two-month period, but that's going to happen for him. And then, uh, you know, Jazz has really struggled after getting off to a good start. He seems to be still hitting the ball okay, but you know, there's going to be growing pains with that. So we're just going to have to let that play out a little more. Great start. And then, uh, you know, it's, it's, it hasn't looked as good at the plate, that's for sure. sure. It's undeniable. And then a catcher. Uh, look, Alfaro has not been good defensively. He has not been good offensively. And they they clearly, uh, they're, they're off season of just kind of hoping that he would take another step in development it has not shown itself at least through through seven games. So they have a problem there. Is probably never going to carry this team. Um, that, that That is unlikely. But all things considered, you know, if Anthony Bass doesn't blow two saves, this team is three and four. And some of the panic that that fans are feeling at the moment 
maybe isn't there in the same way. The same issues are still there throughout that lineup. The same conversations we're having about hot starts and cooling down or Mm -hmm. guys that haven't quite come into form are still there. Um, I think the point you make about Adam Duvall is important. He is the only player on the Marlins with what we would call light tower power. He's the only guy that the ballpark is irrelevant, right? You know, we're, right. we're talking about a guy who drives the ball when he's hitting home runs, 440, 450 feet. And he's really the only player on the Miami Marlins that has that level of power. I think Cooper does too. I think Cooper yeah, and does. he can, he can absolutely. It's just more that we've seen it from Duvall at the major league level for stretches right. more consistently than we've seen it from Cooper thus far in his career, despite having that power. We've seen right. it in spring training. We've seen yes. it in batting practice, all of it. Yeah, one, um, one more thing I want to add. I mean, you know that I love you. You love you like a brother and, sure. and um, you know, but but making the statement that you made that, you know, there were two games away from three and four is, you know, is ridiculous. No offense. Like, mm. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know how I feel about you, but truthfully, Jeremy, uh, you know, the Phillies can go back to last year and say if they hadn't blown 21 saves, they would have had the best record in the National Absolutely League. Absolutely, they would have, but it's seven games. Right. Seven, no, I, mean, I, I understand that. But 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 at the to, end of the, and it was a 60 game sample last year for Philadelphia. And, now, and we and talked, now we talked coming into and we talked coming into the season how it was a fluke last year that Philadelphia was as bad yeah. as they were. Yeah. So I'm saying is that is that those losses are now in ink. They're stamped. Absolutely. They are. Right. And, and, and so good. you're right. Yeah. And so it's not like. I under the Marlins could be seven and zero. I mean, the A's could be panic perspective is my premise. No, I I understand. But the record you are who you I mean, more than anything in sports, the one record says you are. Yeah, I mean, that's the one statement that I don't remember who made it. Maybe it was Parcells. I don't remember. Yeah, Uh, but but whoever said it was spot on like that, that, like like we're we're not going to look back in June and 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 talk about the Conforto getting hit. But we are going to look back. Uh, when we get to June and one and and hopefully Bass turns it around like that's right. more of the conversation absolutely than, than the than the unlucky finish than than what happened yesterday so it's not that I'm like I'm I'm mad to hear that you're not the the reason why I'm doing this is because you're not the first person that said this to me and I'm just kind of tired of of hearing it uh, because I've I've watched baseball and covered baseball as long or longer than anybody else in this market and I can tell you that this is what baseball is you are going to be unlucky and you're going to lose games on luck, but those are stamped. Those, the, the record is there for you to look at. And sometimes based on luck, and we're not going to look back at the end of the season. If the Marlins don't make the postseason by one game or two games and say, what if Bass didn't blow those saves? The reality is that's what baseball is. You have a closer, you sign bullpens are impossible to figure out. And for the most part, um, and that's and, and that's just the unfortunate part of of the game. I absolutely agree with you. And your record is what what it says you are. I guess my my thought process in saying this sort of they could have been three and four is not to say that this team is playing to the expectations that I had, that you had, that for that matter, they had to start this season. Um, I think their offense scoring nine runs and six losses is not something that is acceptable considering the players that are there, considering the veterans that are there. This is not actually a young lineup. This is not young hitters struggling. This is a lineup full of veterans. These are guys that should be performing better. Their bullpen should be better considering the new look, considering all the hype that we all had, especially over Anthony Bass. My point would be more that for the Marlins fans and for those trying to look at this team and see a light at the end of the tunnel where this can turn around, it is that. That if Bass gets it together and a couple of these guys 
like you mentioned, Adam Duvall, Garrett Cooper, get hot at the right time. This team is not so far away from being competitive. Am I saying that because they no, they're competitive in every. No, yeah, they're, they've they're, been in every game. But the Phillies know? were competitive every game last of year, course. too, and they lost every game in the ninth inning. And, and how do you think the Rays feel about the game that Austin Meadows couldn't couldn't catch the ball? Oh, you my know? gosh. Like, yeah, of course. I yeah. mean, I mean, where is their swings and misses podcast from the yeah. Rays? That's what <laughs> exactly. that's what they're going to be talking about today, Jeremy. What if Austin Meadows doesn't Absolutely. have the ball hit his head? Maybe we win that game. And then the Marlins right. are 0 seven in that scenario. So sure. Yeah, yeah I, there I, are I, there are little things there that that it's it's. It's obviously not a good start. I guess my, my thought process is more, how can it get fixed? And the way it gets fixed is if Anthony Bass gets it together. And you know what? If he doesn't, he will no longer be the closer. And next week or the week after or whenever that happens, we'll be coming on here and talking about a further disaster start for the Marlins. But yeah. I guess my thought process is after a week's worth of games, after seven games, looking for a way that this won't turn into 1998 looking for the ways in which that's fair will not be a, a bad team for the Marlins that will come close to competing in the way that you and I talked about before the season. And, and to go that direction for a second, I think the one uh, sort of positive that we could find, and I want to give you a second to talk about here. It's Sandy and Pablo who, despite, you know, coming out with, with whatever their records are at the moment, both threw the ball very, very well in their first two starts. And to me, look like guys that could be one and two on just about any team in the league. What are your thoughts on Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez so far? Yeah, both have been fantastic. Sandy is, is not only an ace, but is becoming even more than anybody thought he could be. He just yeah. keeps breaking through barriers. So from where he started to where he is now is just incredible. So he could be an ace on the Marlins. He could probably be an ace on 15 other teams in major league baseball. And, mm -hmm. um, and Miami would be served, I think at some point to at least try to extend him and, or at least have that conversation. I think he's, yep. he's definitely well within it, but at this point, I understand that they, when you, when you have this record right now, maybe today is not the day, but, but, <laughs> right. but at some, at some point they have to, I, I think they have to buckle down on that with, with someone, maybe Anderson or, or him, but no conversations on that. Sure. And, and then in terms of Pablo, uh, also taking the next step, going deeper into the game, throwing more pitches. Uh, I mean, what's what's left to be said? They have they have a For fantastic real. young core of starting pitchers that were severely underrated going into the season. I, I put them without a doubt in the top ten. If Rogers can take that next step, and I think he'll be much better next time. I think he'll be much better next time out. Sure. I, I really love the one two and three that they have i put rogers on four crazy enough three at this point yeah. and, and then you know hernandez will get healthy again and i think he's he's just a four or five and, and they and six though eventually will be back edward cabrera hopefully who's still so far away unfortunately sure. maybe we'll, we'll get back at some point this year their pitching is fan their starting pitching is fantastic it's even just, nick it's, looked pretty solid all things he considered. walked yeah he walked yeah he guys. walked guys and his... but nick nick is a four or a five yeah. he, nick could be you know on seattle in there go right. back there he's and another be there. major league quality starter he's good you know? he's good dan castano's probably good too for yeah. all i know yeah i mean yeah. they they're they've done a great job with that amazing job with that and that's really where it starts but, you know, it hasn't translated any wins, Jeremy. I mean, yep. that's, that's just the bottom line.
Yep. Yep. And when, when the bullpen struggles and, and you're leaving so many runners in scoring position too, it's not like the offense is so anemic. It is leaving runners in scoring position that, that hurts you even more when you're watching, like, you know, even the last game against the Cardinals where you start with a couple runners on and then Corey Dickerson gets picked off at second base. And you're just looking around like what, what else can go wrong here in this seven game start? So obviously not the start that the Marlins are looking for. I feel like we've said everything, but Craig, I will give you a second here to say, is there anything else you would like to add before we do wrap up this episode? Yeah. And again, when I'm doing this, I'm, I'm speaking, I, I am speaking as an objective observer of this. I, I think that we all understand. And I've said this many times that the Marlins being good is, is going to help me. It's going to help you. It's going to help everyone. And, and I do have a vested interest in them being good. My, my plan is not for them to do podcasts with them being 10 mm-hmm. games under 500. But, but, the, but the reality is um, it's been a, a very, very disappointing start to the season. They, they do have time. It, it is not time to panic at all if you are a fan. And, and we could be sitting back here next year or next week, excuse me, and they win every game. This is what baseball is. I don't know right. what, what, what that answer is going to be. But all we have at this point to discuss is what's in back of us. Yep. And what has been in back of us is, has been a, a major letdown in the, in the first seven games. So you, you have to believe that, that we've hit rock bottom. You'd have to think that we've hit rock bottom in the first week. And that would be great if that was the case the rest of the season. But, uh, but look, you, you have to be a little nervous and you have to wonder if their offseason plan worked. You mm-hmm. have to question it. You have to look at the pieces that they acquired and the two main pieces that they acquired at this point, seven games in, were Adam Duvall and Anthony Bass. And, and those were as significant as, as offseason moves that they could have made. And through seven games, you would have to say that that's been a disappointment. Those players were supposed to help the team and they have not. So we'll see where we are a week from now, Jeremy. And, and I believe, again, in giving more time, it has been a small sample, but we're here to analyze what we've seen. And, and hopefully when we come back next week, the, the situation will be in a much better place because I don't want to do this again next week. <laughs> sure. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you and I were, were texting yesterday going, do we really have to do this? Really? After all that? Uh, let's just hope that tomorrow we see an Adam Duvall homer jazz stealing six bases and a lights out start from Trevor Rogers, but lucky Marlins, they have to face the best pitcher in the world coming off of that facing Jacob deGrom tomorrow. Thank you all for listening to this episode of swings and misses. If you haven't already, first of all, go check out symbol. They're doing some really cool stuff over there. And with this podcast, please like, subscribe, rate, and review. We haven't gotten a lot of reviews as of recently. We can use some reviews on Apple Podcasts. We'd love some new ones, guys. We know there's new listeners. We see the numbers. So go ahead and give us a rate and review. And we look forward when, to when people that. review, when people review, can they, can, can we see that on? Yeah, on... we see, we see reviews on Apple podcasts and we have a lot of really good ones, honestly. All right. So, so, I... so here, so here's, so here's what you do. You go ahead and, and you go and you give us a review. I don't know how simple this is, if this makes sense, but go ahead and give sure. us a review and take a picture of it and, and put it under our, uh, our swings and misses. What is it? The swings and misses Twitter. Uh, like Twitter, like right? On Twitter, yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and we'll and and we'll pick some people out, and we'll send you free, uh, swings and misses hats, right? We did yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. That we could do that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. So so go ahead and do it. I, I don't. I mean, look, if we have five hundred, then I don't know that I could give you five hundred. <laughs> but I sure. I assure you, 
that we will we will take the time to reward the people who give us a good or even if it's a bad review, just any review <laughs> on uh, on uh, I on love Apple. That Bible. idea. Somebody get one star. We hate you. All right, here's a hat. It's perfect. Craig Bish, so negative. My <laughs> gosh, he's the worst. Yeah. So there you go. So go ahead. So go ahead and do that, and then Jeremy and I will work on that. I assure you, when I say things, I do them. Everyone should know that yep. by now. So so go ahead and do that on Apple Podcasts. Review us. Take a screenshot. Show us on social media on Twitter, and we'll get you a Swings and Mishes hat that you could wear at the ballpark or or stomp on after another one of these. <laughs> Absolutely. That sounds great, Craig. I love this idea. And Marlins fans, thank you again for listening. We look forward to joining you next week. Enjoy the Mets series. <laughs>